School is in session with Basketball U. Welcome to your study time for the world of college hoops. Now here are your professors, Tyler Rocky and Shane Orley on ESPN 1000. Welcome into a special podcast edition of Basketball U on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcast. Tyler Rocky and Shay Norling, we've got it hard in hand. It is the bracket. It is finally here, Shay. It was an interesting uh, selection Sunday. Uh, we had the the Texas uh, Froghorns that are, <laughs> were a six seed. Uh, we we heard that the state of uh, or that the City of Kansas City was indeed in Kansas. It is not, in, in case you need a little geography well, lesson there. Half of it is. Depends. Well, it, it, it depends who you ask. If you ask Clark Kellogg, it is in the it is in the state of Kansas. If you ask all the teams that play there, it's in Missouri. <laughs> exactly. So we've got the bracket in hand. We've got so much to to kind of dive into as well here with this current bracket. So, all right, I figure let's keep it easy. Let's keep it simple. We're just going to go region by region, kind of give you our thoughts, some of our biggest takeaways from all the seeds and all the games that we've got coming up this weekend. Again, the, the first four, we're recording this on a Tuesday, first four is underway later on tonight. I don't know if any of these first four teams are going to make any noise beyond their their Tuesday, Wednesday games, but we can discuss that. Uh, when we drive by through them. But let's start in the South, where we've got our number one overall seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And let's just start with Alabama, all right? They are the number one overall seed. Any surprise there seeing the Crimson Tide being the number one overall seed? For me personally, I did not. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday, too, where like it was between Bama, Kansas, Houston. Any of the three of them could have been the number one overall seed, and we would have understood why that was the selection. I'm not surprised it was Alabama. They were playing really well at the end of the year. Houston and Kansas both lost their conference title games. It just made the most sense to pick the team that had blown out Texas A&M in their conference title game to go as number one overall. Dominant team from start to finish, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay, a couple other games in this uh, region that have caught my eye. You brought this to my attention early on, but that Maryland-West Virginia game in the 8-9 matchup there again, not a not a game that I think is going to make a lot of noise moving forward, but you you saw something in this game that you wanted to bring to everyone's attention. Yeah, it opened, I think, West Virginia minus one. I think it's two and a half if, at time of taping. But this is one where, again, does it, does it match the flow chart? Maryland in the Big Ten? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to take a very uh, a suspicious look at them in their opening matchup. West Virginia, I think, is a bad pull. Like, it's a Big 12 team. They've played very high levels of competition all season long, good coach in Bob Huggins. This is a team that I think should probably, it is the favorite. This 9-8 matchup, you kind of get the coin flip. I like going West Virginia here. And like a bracket tip, if you're in games, if you see games like this where the lower seed is the favorite, just pick them. It's the likelier outcome, and you get more points if they win. There's no reason not to go West Virginia here. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things, too, if you go to Ken Palm, right, West Virginia struggled a little bit within the confines of the Big 12, but the Big 12 was a gauntlet this year. West Virginia was kind of that seventh team in the Big 12 all season long. But if you look at Ken Palm right now, one of the biggest seeding to Ken Palm rating discrepancies that you're going to find is West Virginia, a nine seed that is slotted at 17 on Ken Palm. 17 tells you that's a five seed. 
right there. If you're going strictly based off of Ken Palm numbers there, so a little bit of a discrepancy there. When you you look to try to find Maryland on the Ken Palm list there, they're at 22. They're a little further back, and they're the eighth seat here. So the Ken Palm metrics do favor West Virginia, Virginia, and I agree with it as well. Do you know what's incredible about this bracket while you bring that up? Mm -hmm. That we have West Virginia at the nine seed, and you said where? 18th? 17th? 17th, yes. Because the seed right next to them in this region, Utah State, the 10, is 18th. I do want to bring them up because, you know what, let's do it right now. Because Utah State, I think, is one of the most fascinating teams. And I've started to dig through the bracket a little more. They are the upset surprise team that I've got coming out of this, not coming out of this region, but making a run in this region. I have them in the Elite Eight. I have them getting to the Sweet 16 here. with, And I've, I've given consideration to get to the Elite Eight. I still have not submitted a final bracket yet, but I am giving them some consideration here. They're a team that can really dial things up offensively, and their defense is solid as well. Ryan Odom, their head coach, for those who don't know, was the head coach of UMBC when they pulled off the biggest upset in tournament history, taking down the one-seed Virginia a couple years ago. So they've got experience. They've also got size, too. You don't see a lot of size on some of these lower uh, conference teams. They're 32nd in heights across the nation right now. Utah State's, I think, a team that can make some run. They're 11th best in in three-point shooting in the country. They make their free throws as well. Kind of has that formula for a deep run. And, you know, Arizona... That's who they would be pegged to see in the in the second round. There, Arizona's. This is the per, this is the team that Arizona could lose to, right? Yep. This is the exact formula of team team you don't expect them to lose to, but maybe you get a little out coached and and just some things break right for Utah State that night. This is also a Utah State team, and this just goes to how you're filling out your bracket, what your approach is when you're looking at some of these teams. When you're if you're in a pool with 15, 20 of your closest people that are all pretty smart and follow college basketball, this doesn't apply to you. But mm-hmm. if you're entering in your work pool or your family pool, you got a bunch of people who maybe are kind of casual followers of the sport and just show up to fill out the bracket, they're gonna look at Utah State and scoff and take Arizona. This is a no, huge, well, they may take Mizzou. They may the take Mizzou. Round. This is a huge opportunity where like Utah State's going to be their favorite in the game against Missouri. It might be close to a coin flip when they play Arizona. It might be close to a coin flip when they play Creighton. If they're not favored, you're going to get an opportunity with a 10 seed that's going to play three or four coin flip games, mm-hmm. and you can advance them and get a ton of points if they win. You're picking a decently likely outcome, but because the seeding is kind of egregious, you can pick up a lot of points on people who don't know better. And this is a, a program that has been to the NCAA tournament a good amount in recent memory, and, and they've got a lot of experience as well. They're 27th in the nation in D1 experience. You look at their starting five, you go senior, 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 junior, junior. I like the sound of that right there, and you got some seniors coming off the bench giving you some significant time as well. So this is a veteran group that's going to be going up against some young and inexperienced teams as well. I like the prospects of Utah State. I'm glad we're in alignment there. Yeah. That, that this is a team that that could make a little bit of a run. And, you know, sometimes you see these conference champions and they, they kind of blow their wad early on in their conference tournament. Like Arizona may have done that. 
And with their inconsistencies of the season, their struggles defensively, even though it did get better towards the end of the year, this is a Utah State team that certainly has my attention. And I, I'm with you. I like the Aggies to roll and make a little bit of a run here. I'm still torn on whether the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight is, is my cap for them, but I think it's certainly fascinating. You brought up Creighton as the, t- as the team that they would meet. I'm with you in alignment there. I think Creighton's going to be one of the other more undervalued teams in this region as well. A lot of people have said all season long they've got the best starting five in all of college basketball. And when you get into the NCAA tournament, those rotations shorten tremendously. Yep. They're very well balanced on both sides of the basketball. You look at their, their Ken Palm efficiency numbers, top 30 offense, top 15 defense. I like the sound of that right there. And right now I've got them in my Elite Eight matchup going up against Alabama. Um, but I could be swung in the way of Utah State. But there's a lot of talent and they are healthy at the right time, this Creighton team. Yeah, I, I agree. And we talked a little bit. You brought up Baylor on Sunday as one of our dead teams walking. That would be the likeliest second round matchup for Creighton. I don't think UC Santa Barbara is some darling. I know a lot of people no. like to pick the 14 3. Baylor, not the best team in this tournament, but they're going to beat UCSB. That doesn't you. worry me. When you get to Creighton, you're right. They've played in a bear of the Big East. So playing a Big 12 team is not a huge step up in competition. No. I just feel like Creighton is a team that's well-poised, and you're going to look at it. They've got a stinky number in the loss column, but don't let that trick you. They've played like one of the better teams in the country all season. Yeah, and it's really coming from a patch of losses. They had a six-game losing streak back in November and December, and you know my feelings on November and December games. They mean absolutely nothing when it comes to tournament time. They finished the year on a 15-6 and run. They did get blown out by Xavier in the Big East tournament. I would have liked to see that game be a little bit more competitive, but they beat a revamped Villanova team pretty significantly as well in in Madison Square Garden too, so a heavy Villanova contingency certainly in attendance at that game as well. But I I do like uh, Creighton to get to the Elite Eight now, but I may sway that to Utah State when we get to it. The other portion of this bracket that I think is worth noting, College of Charleston. And the job that Pat Kelsey has done, you know, we talk a lot about the 12-5 upsets, right? It's the, the one everyone loves to talk about. And I think this is the one that I am most diving headfirst into right here is with College of Charleston and San Diego State. You know, uh, College of Charleston, there was a talk because they were struggling in their CAA championship game. There was a talk. Are they going to get a 30-4 and four team? Are they going to leave a 30-4 and four team out of the tournament? I don't think they would have ultimately. I think they, they just had done too much in the, the CAA. And you look at uh, some of the games that they've played this this year, They played a, it, it shows a blowout against UNC earlier this season, but that game was a lot closer than it really felt on the road to at UNC. Um, but I, this team has been dominant all season long at, at 31-3, and three, and they ran through their conference tournament. I actually am on the other side. I'm going with San Diego State in this game. I'm looking at the 12 fives, but I think that matchup's gotten a little overrated in past tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I mm-hmm. want to watch out. There are two that stick out to me a little more interestingly in this bracket than that one. We'll get to those in a minute. I want to ask you about something before we move on from this region. The 13-4 matchup is yes. probably the second or third most intriguing game in the South. Virginia against Furman. Furman probably the best of the 13 seeds, and Virginia very easily the worst of the four seeds. Mm -hmm. This is one where I actually do look at an upset, and if you think San Diego State could get upset, fun fact, the upsets happen more in the second round over the last decade than they do in the first. I think Furman's a team that could be in the second weekend. 
Furman's interesting to me. Like they have pedigree, they've had success, and they've gotten to the tournament before. I just think this could be one of those games where, and again, I don't think that this Virginia team is long for a run here. But I do think that they're good enough to take care of business in the first round. And I know the ACC got dogged on all year, but the ACC has talent in it every single year. There's talent on this Virginia team, certainly. I just think that with with Virginia... The ACC schedule that they ran through, they're, they're, they were pretty consistent all season long. I think it's good enough to win them one tournament game. I, I, I'm, I'm confident in, in them winning the one. But I think you are right. The 13-4 has certainly become more prevalent as of late. Something I, I'm keeping my eye on. There, there, are a thir- there is one or two 13-4s that I like for an upset this year. The 11-6 has gotten a little prevalent lately, too. I don't love it here. Uh, NC mm-hmm. State, I don't even think, should Both be in the Clemson, tournament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. NC St- That should be Clemson's spot. I, I don't agree. get why NC State's there. Uh, Creighton, again, we talked about, is a very good team. Certainly the best of the sixes by my margin. So I'm not looking at it in this bracket. But when we go around... There will be some intriguing 11-6s. Yeah. Okay, so what is your regional pick here? Bama. I'm with you. I, I like Alabama. They, they. I know there's controversy and a cloud of, of, uh, of uncertainty around them because of what's been going on off the court there, but it seems like they've started to lock in now, and they're, they've gotten back to the Bama that was the early SEC Bama that we saw. They're the best team in this region by a rather significant margin, and that's just like that's what I'll look at. I the, texted you and Abdallah when when the bracket show was going on. Like this is an unserious region. Yeah, they, like, they could they could potentially be a double digit favorite in every game that they play in this region. Yeah, they, every they, single one. They seriously could. All right, let's move on over to the Midwest now, where we find Houston as the one seed in this region um a lot lot of things that kind of stick out to me in this one obviously um the fact that kansas isn't here is i think the most glaring thing you look at two teams that got blown out in their conference championship but kansas with significantly more quad one wins than anybody in the country really this season and houston does end up locking up that midwest one seed probably because of the marcus sasser injury that houston given the benefit of the doubt here looks like he's probable to play against northern kentucky i think he could sit out against northern kentucky and it would not be much of a problem here but houston is your number one seed in the midwest any problems there no not at all and like you mentioned houston a 19 and a half point favorite the odds makers know about the Marcus Sasser injury. That's being weighed into this, and they're not sweating it. 19 and a half points. They're the favorites over 16th seed in Northern Kentucky out of the Horizon League. It's a good team. It's a well-coached team. Somehow, every single season, they manage to get in here and be the automatic loss in the <laughs> out of the Horizon League every year. But uh, it just Houston makes the most sense. They've been the one team we've talked about that has avoided the curse of being in the top five this season. Wire yeah. to wire, they were there. They're well-coached with Kelvin Sampson. I'm guessing, I mean, Marcus Sasser went through shoot-arounds full speed, looked good. They just didn't need him. They were going to be a one seed either way. It doesn't, the difference between being overall number one and any other one is not huge. I wasn't surprised they sat him, get him some rest. He'll be ready to go for the tournament. I'm not worried about that. Especially for Houston, because it's not like they're playing in Dallas, or it's not like they're playing in San Antonio or something like that in the early in the early rounds here, they don't need like the the playing in St. Louis versus playing in Vegas. It really didn't matter. No, for it them. doesn't I mean anything. I think that all that much. Um, the eight nine matchup, 
Talk about a team that got screwed. The Iowa Hawkeyes yeah. having to go play in Birmingham, Alabama against Auburn. You know it's going to be a home game for Auburn there. And I, I think they win that game. And maybe that's the the real thing that hurts Houston is the fact that it's going to be a home game for Auburn if the, the Tigers pull off the, the round one victory and these two teams meet up in Birmingham for the second game, especially because these are two defensive-minded teams. That could be a really low-scoring game, and maybe Auburn gets a bucket late that ends up deciding it. That's the test, right? That feels a little bit like it was a few years ago when Michigan got to the second round and had to sweat the win out against Houston with the buzzer beater, I think, yes. from Isaiah Livers. Mm-hmm. It feels was like it Jordan Poole. It, jo- it might have been Jordan Poole. Mm-hmm. But you get to that point where the second-round matchup, and because it's a, a Power 5 team, plays in a good conference, really a good basketball team, that's your sweat. And you win that one, you're probably going to the Final Four. That's the one I think could trip them up. I don't think it does. But again... You mentioned like the nine eight. It's a Big Ten team against a Power Five team, and again, the the uh, lower seed here in Auburn is the favorite. And there's no way that I'm picking against Auburn in Birmingham against an Iowa team that I said was dead team walking. Fran McCaffrey, one of the bum coaches of this tournament. That this guy hasn't gotten out of the first weekend ever. All he does is he's good for a weird stare down or encounter with a ref, yeah. and then he's gone. Well, he disappointed last year. Remember, Iowa had the chance to get to Chicago, and then they bow out in the second round. So it was a tough one last year for Iowa. You know, th- this region has, I think, the second most fascinating matchups for me. Uh, the most fascinating matchups, I think, reside in the East region here, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. This next one also I'm really intrigued by, Miami and Drake. You know, a lot of people peg this as the 12-5 upset. This is going to be the trendy one, right, in all the bracket pools, Drake over Miami. But I actually like the the Hurricanes here. I think the Hurricanes can actually make a little bit of a run, get to the second weekend here. I like what Jim Laranaga did. He brought back a ton of people from last year's team that ended up going to the Elite Eight as well. And this Miami team, like I said before, I think the ACC just might be slept on a little bit here. This is a, a top 15 offense. They played no defense. But I think that this, with this Miami group, they're a veteran group that's made deep tournament runs while also not having very successful defenses before. Yeah, I'm on Drake pretty heavy here. Oh, boy. As the 12-5 upset, you look at this, it opened. And I let the Vegas spreads do a lot of the talking for me mm-hmm. when I see these games. Yeah. This opened two and a half. It's down to two. Depending on where you look, like Bart Torvik had this as a pick Anytime I look at a bracket and I see what is effectively a coin flip between a 12 and a 5, I'm taking the 12. And it might be wrong, but I'm maximizing my ability to win in a bracket pool. The goal here is not to do okay. It's Mm -hmm. to win. And to win, you got to get points. If I'm getting what I deem a likely scenario as a 12 beating a 5, I'm picking it. And Drake is a team that plays in the Missouri Valley, which it's a mid-major conference, but it's one of the stronger mid-majors where you're going to face some decent competition. You'll get battle-tested. You come out of winning that conference, winning your conference tournament, 12-5 matchup against a Miami team that played in what we've talked about as a weak ACC. I really like Drake in this spot. I, I look at the veterans on the this Miami team here, and, and I guess one, one injury question is Norshad Amir, who is one of their leading scorers and their leading rebounder. He, I think he'll be good to go, but if he's not, then I probably would give a slight lean to Drake. But I just look at, there. there's some guys here that may be playing for a little draft stock as well for Miami. They've got some, they've got some dudes, and, and you talk about like the way that this team was constructed as well was through the transfer portal. And, and I mean, you heard the comments from, from Jim Beheim like, oh, Miami bought their team. Yep. They did. Well, they bought a damn good ACC. one, too. 
<laughs> right? Like, I, I, I think Miami's a team that not only wins this game, I think they get to the Sweet 16 and square off against Houston. I really like this Miami team. I think they can do something kind of special here. The next matchup, another one that's fascinating for people and one that some people are pegging as an upset pick, it's Kent State and Indiana. Now, the Hoosiers, um, they couldn't get the job done against Penn State in the Big Ten tournament and, and a home game for them. I mean, you and I were at that Big Ten tournament. It was an Indiana home game, and yep. they did everything they could to try to call their way back down 10 with two minutes to go. But this Indiana team, I know Kent State is going to be one that a lot of people like as an upset potential pick. I don't see it, though. I think this Indiana team is balanced enough, and they've got a star. They're going to have one of the best players in this region in general. So I, I, I do like the, the Hoosiers to pull off the win here. Indiana's one of those teams we've really found our big disagreements because I'm on Kent State mm. Indi- as a four-point dog here. Indiana's one of those teams that everybody talks about. They're playing their best basketball right now. They have the star player. Again, if you look at some of the numbers, some of the computer numbers, whether you value them or not, Bart Torvik tells you they're a bottom they're outside the top 80, rather, over the final month of the season. The way they're playing right now, and honestly, the Big Ten tournament game, that was a home game. and they did and they, not play well. It scared me off him a little bit. Mm. Mike Woodson's not like an especially great coach. He does the best thing you can. He fouls up three. But, <laughs> again, if you put me in a situation where I'm looking at a 13 and a 4 and I feel like I'm in semi-close to a coin flip, I'm probably going with the 13. And Kent State's a team that... Gets hot. Like, again, you're playing in an upper mid-major in the MAC. It's not necessarily the most sleepy conference. The, I feel like this is another spot where you've got a dangerous, lowly-seeded team against an Indiana team that, frankly, I think is overseeded. You look at uh, Kent State's run this year, and again, they did very well in their, their conference tournament. They only played in one close game in, in that conference tournament here. Um, they're a defensive-minded team. Right. And Indiana's strength here is offense. Here's the one thing that I think is going to give the leg up to Indiana here. Like Jalen Hood Shafino is the freshman who right now is projected to be an NBA guy, like go in the 20s or so. Maybe some are sniffing the lottery here when you look at some mock drafts. He seems like the candidate here that makes a huge spike with his draft stock if Indiana goes on a little bit of run. Could be, but again, we look at Kent State, and you mentioned playing through their defense. That's one thing that I like to look for in the tournament is a team that's going to grind you down and kind of limit your possessions. And then they're also, they play through two senior guards in Sincere Carey and Malik Jacobs. That's a huge thing for me. Like, leaning on the freshman, and Jalen Huchifino's a great player, but leaning on the freshman in the tournament well, I wouldn't say they're doesn't always him, work. Like, no, they're going to be I, leaning on Trace Jackson Davis. I get what you mean, but it, it like you go up against a team that's got a ton of experience. They're top three minutes getters for Kent State, all seniors. Yeah. It's, and that's kind of the formula for a lot of these mid-majors. This is where but, I see yeah. the upset special. All right. And then, then who do you have emerging out of the Drake and, and uh, Kent State? Drake. Drake. In the Sweet 16. Right. Yeah, in the 13 12 matchup, the vaunted 13 12 matchup. <laughs> um, Iowa State playing the winner of Mississippi State and Pitt tonight. Um, Iowa State's a team that they, they did not close the year well at all. I mean, you want to talk about dead teams walking, and, and this is. Bring out your name! This is one of your prime candidates here. They lose 7 of 10 to close out the season. They did. Put a, a whooping on Baylor twice. Yeah, what a Jekyll and Hyde end of the year to lose 7-10, but sandwiched in there, beating Baylor's ass twice. And and one of the things to note here, Caleb Grill, who was one of their starters pretty much all season long, ha- was kicked off the team t- 
two uh, late in the season. And again, some people may say that's an addition by subtraction there, but um, th- th- this is a Iowa State team that got off to a nice start in, in the Big 12, and you tip your hat for getting off to any sort of start in the Big 12, but they really, really struggled here down the stretch. They were looking like a team that was in contention to win the Big 12, and all of a sudden they finished five or 500 in the conference. The lucky thing for them is they got the benefit of the better 11 matchup. Mississippi State and Pitt both worse than the other teams, Arizona State and Nevada, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. Yes, So that's where you look at Iowa State being another senior-heavy team, getting one of those play-in teams that's already had to play a game. Sometimes I like that though, like they get hot, like or they get like a warm up game in, because like, and you win the warm up game obviously if you're playing in this. You want the fun fact? Give me one of the eleven of the twelve seasons that the play in has existed, at least one, one. play in game has made the second round. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I as a, a program that I root for, uh, that has been a veteran of the the first four. You you've been in the first four as well, haven't you? I have. Yeah, and, and like you, sometimes that's where you make your run. As an 11. Well, UCLA beat us with a miracle comeback in the final 50 seconds of the and game. And then where they, yeah, final four. Yep. So it can happen and it has happened and it very well could happen again this year. It might. So next up, I don't want to talk about this matchup as much. I want to talk about a certain team in this matchup, and that is Xavier Kennesaw State. Xavier is a team that, you know, I was, Xavier's just kind of been there for me. Like they haven't been yep. great, they haven't been bad. They've just kind of been there for me. Um, and I wasn't very high on them entering the tournament. And I started to do a little more research. And I said, you know what? This is a team that's certainly primed to make a bit of a run here in the NCAA tournament. I think that they certainly have second weekend potential here as a three seed. They they closed the year pretty strong. They got to the Big East championship game. They did get throttled there. But I I look at some of the games that they put together. They, they blew out Creighton, which I think was impressive. A little bit of a squeaker against DePaul. You don't feel great about that, but overall, some good stuff from from Creighton to, to or from uh, Xavier to close out the year. And I think they could be primed to make a little bit of a run. I, I think they handle the 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 winner of Mississippi State, Pitt, Iowa State, whatever team emerges from that cluster. There, I think Xavier handles pretty easily. Upset special. Oh no! Unfortunately, fourteen three. This, this is the region where I'm getting bold. The fourteen three, and All this right. isn't one I love to pick a lot, especially with that seating. I understand it's unlikely, but I don't know that Xavier goes to the second weekend either way. And I like Kennesaw because they have a little bit of the ingredient. They're a really good three point shooting team. They're senior led. They play through their guards. It's everything that I look for when I go. I need a team to get an upset, play through your two senior guards, and be effective at the three-point line. If they just stay hot, the other trick, they don't turn the ball over, ever. So I look at Kennesaw State. It's a nice story. They're hot right now. It's their first-ever NCAA tournament. They don't turn the ball over. They shoot well from the three-point line. They run through their guards, and they're senior-led. It's everything to go with the Xavier team that I'm fading anyway. I like Kennesaw State. I will say this. Xavier, this Xavier roster is one that I think could be on the the all-names team. For You're going to hear some names here that you're just going to fall in love. Suli Boom. Uh, Kai Kai Tandy is another one there. Jack Nunji. Even Colby Jones just has a Colby nice Jones run Colby Jones has a nice little it. ring to it. Adam Kunkel. Everyone loves a good Kunkel, Kunkel right? Kunkel, yep. Um, unfortunately, no Zach Fremantle, which could hurt them. He, he's out for the tournament, but um, that, that's another good name. So this, this, is, this may be the names team to watch, and for that, I'm rooting for them. Um, next up, a lot of people saying Penn State, or a lot of people saying Texas A&M got screwed by their matchup of having to face Penn State. 
you know, Texas A&M, how about you, you do a little scheduling here, all right? You, you look at what Buzz Williams and what he put together here. It's not like this is Buzz's first year at Texas A&M, right, where he's trying to establish the program. Your best non-conference win came against DePaul. Like, for everyone that's been crying about the, the seating that they got, like, you got to go play some people. At some point. Well, and the SEC, I get, is a tough league, but you sat out the SEC Big 12, which, again, isn't your choice, but it's tough to, to build a resume that way. I get it. You beat Alabama once this year, but you also got crushed by them as well. They went and played Memphis. They just lost to them. Like, they played people. They just but lost like Memphis, those games. Memphis, I get it. All right, Memphis is a good team, but, like, give me a little name-brand value. The, the only power conference team that they played in the non-conference was Colorado and DePaul. Yeah, I mean, it's... And you got crushed by Colorado. Destroyed. 103.75 on a neutral floor. Uh, the way I look at this, though, like everybody talking about how Texas A&M got screwed playing Penn State, I feel like the opposite happened. I feel like Penn State, in pretty much any other 7-10 matchup, maybe except against Utah State, but I just didn't buy that they'd be a 10. Penn State might be favored in any other matchup, and instead they're a three-point dog against Texas A&M, I feel like Penn State got screwed. I like A&M to advance. Interesting. Okay. I, I, I And again, I would have liked to see Penn State maybe play like a Mizzou or something like that if you were to pick a seven seed here. Um, I am going to take Penn State to advance here. Here's the one thing that does worry me. A&M is the sixth best offensive rebounding team in the country, while Penn State is Terrible. one of the worst offensive rebounding teams preventers in the entire or one of the worst rebounding teams in the country um, especially on the offensive end here and we saw how Zach Eady sort of picked apart that A&M that Penn State team now they don't have the the 7-4 behemoth and in fact A&M doesn't really have a lot of height it's almost surprising that they're a, a a top 10 offensive rebounding team in the country here but I, I just think that with some of the guys that, that Penn State has, I mean, we, we talked about Jalen Pickett. It, it feels like he's going to be the one that wins this game for Penn State. He does feel like he's got, he's got like outstanding player of the tournament uh, mm -hmm. chops to him. He yeah. seems like that guy that just takes the low seed on a run. Mm -hmm. I just don't buy that Penn State's that team. I, again, you play in the Big Ten. I already think you're a little overhyped. You also run through what is, even if I don't value the conference as being that good, it is a bloodbath. And you end up fatigued on the end of it. I This is a spot where I just like A&M. Honestly, I have A&M going to the Elite Eight in a couple brackets. Okay, I was in a couple brackets. Look at you. I know. Um, big point of contention over here. Yeah, if you missed that, we had that conversation on the radio show. You can check it out on this podcast feed as well. Um, all right, so... In your, your true bracket, all right? The one that you're the touting around. The one that's around, in front of me. All right? This the, is the going one, on the fridge, damn it. <laughs> the one that you tout around, all right? We've got, or who do you have in your Elite Eight matchup, and who do you ultimately have coming out of the Midwest region? I have Houston and A&M in the Midwest Elite Eight, and I have Houston coming out of the region. Okay, I have the other Texas team, and that is the Texas Longhorns, not the Froghorns, the Longhorns. They, I have them coming out of this region here because and it's funny, like these two teams going to, to go represent the state of Texas and we both have it, but two teams going to represent the state of Texas in Houston for the final four. It's incredible. I've got Houston coming out. I just think that they're, they've been too dominant this year. And quite frankly, I think their path's pretty good too. Like yeah. the way you have it set up, like if they're facing A&M in that game, no doubt in my mind, we see Houston just run them out of the gym. 
So we have two regions left. So far, we have two one seeds advancing to the final four. Are things going to get fun? Because they're going to get fun for me. They are. Yeah, I don't have I don't have any one seeds. Uh, I, in fact, I don't have any two seeds. Neither do I. All I right, don't have a two or a one in either right. of the next two regions. Let's, let's get weird. Let's then. get into let's it. Let's go to the West, where we've got Kansas as the one seed in the West. Again, we've talked about it. They got screwed out of not getting the the second number one seed and instead are forced to to go out to Vegas instead of play in Kansas City for their regional. But this may be the most fun first round game of the tournament here. The 8-9 matchup between Arkansas and Illinois. Who knows what the hell Illinois is going to come out with and this Arkansas team's catching a little steam late here with the addition of Nick Smith. This is one, Tyler, where I look at the 8-9 and I don't pick the upset because again, I'm just applying my own logic. Big 10 team. We watched Let's use the flow chart. We watched Illinois in the Big Ten tournament lose in spectacular fashion to Penn State. Mm -hmm. Everybody, I mean, that was a home game. For the third time this year, too, they lost to Penn State. And that was a home game for Illinois, and they dropped it. Like, I don't buy that they're going to come out fired up against an Arkansas team that is hot. I just think this is a poor matchup, and I'm praying that we get Kansas our Kansas in the second round. I also saw, too, there was a great tweet out that Illinois versus Arkansas in Des Moines is has to hold some sort of NCAA record between teams and location with silent S's. Arkansas, Illinois, Des Moines. I found that funny and fascinating. Fantastic. Um, but, yeah, when you look at this matchup, there's only one way I think Illinois wins, and it's if they get a lights-out effort from three from Terrence Shannon. Yep, That's the only scenario I see Illinois winning. But we've talked about how likely he is to shoot you out of a game as he is to shoot you into one. Right. So, like, he's a classic, and we saw this in the Big Ten tournament, too. He's a classic make-one-three, immediately heat check with the worst shot selection <laughs> you have ever seen. I, I Like, I can't get behind a team like that. You have to have insane luck to win a tournament game with the type of shot selection he's going to go out and have if he gets a couple early. I, I'm not in on Illinois at all. Now, I will say this. We saw someone in an 8-9 matchup kind of do that all tournament long last year, and his name was Caleb Love. I think he's a very similar player on the other side with Terrence Shannon. So uh, Illinois' tournament hopes hinge on whether or not Shannon gets hot. That's That, to me, it, it's... That's the only way this team goes on a run, but I don't see that happening here. Um, St. Mary's and VCU. This is a St. Mary's team that I think is is pretty fraudulent here. Uh, VCU, uh, they go out, they win the A-10 here. St. Mary's, the five seed, this is a prime 5-12 upset that I've eyed down here, and I, I like VCU to, to win this one. Uh, I actually have St. Mary's. The, it's, we have uh, different on all of them. So. I know. All of the 512s, we've had a little different. But again, I'm letting the point spread do the talking. When I see the spread out a little more in the 5-6 range, I'm less likely to take the team that's on the lower side. I just think you get cute and you start doing these things in these pools where you take a 12 seed because you get the points, but you are picking an unlikely outcome against people in a lot of these that are probably just going to pick the likely, likely outcome. And the likeliest thing to me is St. Mary's wins. The other likeliest thing to me is whichever of these two teams wins gets murdered by UConn. So yes. that's where I'm like, it doesn't really matter what I do. I'll just pick what I think is going to be the result. Mm-hmm. And then UConn's going forward anyway. Right. I, I have UConn as well, although that is a fascinating UConn Iona in uh, the first in round. Albany what of in all the places. World? Now, here, here's the one thing I could be thinking here, too. Does Rick have one foot out the door already? Like, we've heard the St. John's rumors getting hot and heavy, maybe to Georgetown, or could we see something like, could we see Rick Patino, or rather Ed Cooley, take the Georgetown job, 
and pretty much sell his soul and be hated forever by Providence fans and inslides Rick Patino to take over at Providence there. It's one of the things that I've been thinking about. Does Rick have a foot out the door? Regardless, I think UConn wins this game, but it is a fascinating first-round matchup here. So, But I, I like UConn's prospects as well. Um, I, I don't have many strong TCU versus the, the playing winner thoughts, but you I are, do. are motioning at me like you do. I have told I told you a minute ago, every 11 of the 12 tournaments that the play-in has existed, you have seen one of the play-in teams go on a run. It happens almost every year. Nevada is the highest rated in the net of all of the play-in teams. They're playing well now. I like the Wolfpack not only to beat TCU, who frankly has not been impressive especially of late flamed out in the conference tournament i like nevada to beat gonzaga who plays no defense i like nevada to beat ucla who's down the best defensive player in america i like nevada in the elite eight i i have not been a fan of the way nevada's played lately i mean they they bow out in the first round of the mwc they lose their final two games in the regular season, like they, they, to me, and Arizona State just sucks too. Like they should not be in this tournament. One, like they, if Desmond Cambridge doesn't hit a three quarters court shot, they're not in this tournament. And quite frankly, I, I look at Arizona State and it's like you should not be in the tournament, barring like a, it being a conference championship buzzer beater. You should not be in the tournament based off of a regular season shot. And that is the sole reason they're in this tournament here. Um, in terms of Gonzaga, you know, Gonzaga's just been a steady Sweet 16 machine. Yeah. They get to the second weekend consistently, and I think they can do it again here. I think they're being slept on a little bit. They got, play no defense. It's the most important thing in the tournament. They play no defense. But Gonzaga's done that before with playing no defense here. And listen, like I, I'm not afraid of them against Grand Canyon. Uh, Grand no, Canyon no, looks not. like a, a fantastic place to watch a basketball game, but I will not be uh, picking them in this tournament here. But I do think Gonzaga gets to that second weekend here. Um, UCLA, we mentioned the injuries here. It's it's tough. It's I, I thought it, they had the best value on the board once upon a time. That has since diminished with no Jalen Clark. We'll see what happens with Adam Bona as well. Um, I'd imagine if UCLA is smart, maybe they they have Adam Bona ready in the for UNC Asheville just in case things go sideways for a little bit. But ultimately they win, and then you play them in the second round game against the winner of Boise State Northwestern. But UCLA without without Bona and without Jalen Clark in particular, I don't see them as a Final Four team, unfortunately. That 10-7 special, too, Boise State, Northwestern. We can't forget about Chicago's Big Ten team. Yeah. Uh, apologies. That's a terrible draw. I'll take Boise State. Yes, me as well. I I mean, you don't have to sell me there. I'm, 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 I like Boise State in general, um, and I think that the draw against Northwestern, who really did not close the season out strongly, is one that... I, I think um, Northwestern is is due for a, a one and done here. Let's go to the East, Tyler. Uh, sorry to take yeah. the wheel out uh-huh. of your hand. Go can for I, it. Can I swear? Yeah, you can swear. This is uh, a podcast. This is where the one seed got fucked. <laughs> yes. like, this is where the one seed got absolutely fucked. This Purdue taking on Memphis or FAU in the second round. <laughs> yes. Good night. Matt Painter, mm-hmm. we'll see you next year. You're out in the first weekend. I, you I, got... Fucked. Now, okay, here's the thing with, with that matchup between Memphis and FAU. I don't know who to pick quite yet, but I do know they're beating Purdue. That yeah. I do know because you talk about some veteran. And Dusty May, 
fantastic coach for FAU. I think he can he can scheme together a game plan against some freshman a freshman backcourt, and I think we'll see kind of what Northwestern did to Purdue. I think we'll see both of these teams say, Zach Eady, you get yours. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, you have to beat us. We'll see if you guys can beat us. And if you can't, then then uh, good night. You will not make it to the Sweet 16 here. You will not be going to the Garden here. Um, right now, I have Memphis as that team. I do too. Um, but I could I, I could be swayed on FAU. I kind of wish feel bad F- for FAU. So do I. If yes. they pulled any other draw, I would have picked FAU. But mm-hmm. Memphis just feels that's the one where I'm like, I'm also talking myself into it because they beat the brakes off Houston in that uh, American Conference title. Now, Marcus Sasser didn't play, so you don't want to read too much into that. But it's a Memphis team. They've played well all season. Penny, it finally feels like he's gotten things right. Uh, They've got some seniors. They're all seniors. Got some seniors. The whole team is seniors. You won't see a guy step on the court that's not a senior. Right. So Nine of ten rotation players are seniors. That's where I really look at Memphis and go, FAU, it's a nice story. You've been one of the better mid-major teams all season. It's a team that deserves to win a tournament game. They just got a bad draw. in the future yeah. if Dusty May hangs around there as, as their head coach, but he may be off to somewhere else too. Um, you'd figure Memphis has the bigger contingency there. I, I did look it up. I thought the Memphis to Columbus drive was a little bit shorter. It's nine hours. Um, but I, I, I still think that you'll see the Memphis fans show up. Memphis fans exist. FAU fans, I don't know if they exist. Yeah, that's that's a fair point there as well. Duke and Oral Roberts. Uh, this is a a I think a tasty five twelve upset pick that a lot of people are are gunning after here. But I don't see it. This is probably the two. This is the five twelve that to me is is the most high level teams. Like Duke's probably the most high level mm-hmm. five. Yes, Oral Roberts is certainly the most high level twelve. I think Duke got screwed here too. I do too. Oral Roberts is a team that just recently went on a crazy tournament run. Uh, they're gonna they're one of the best three point shooting teams in the country. They're well coached. This is a really tough draw for Duke. I don't want to let it scare me off too much. I've I've been hearing a lot from people that I talk to and who I trust. Recent history, the teams that get white hot relative to how they play early in the year flame out quickly in the tournament. Mm -hmm. I don't think Duke loses this game, but I look at, look, I think they're going to, we'll get into this game in a moment. I think they're going to see Louisiana Lafayette. I do too. I think they do make the second weekend, but that's where if you end up with Memphis or FAU there, I think you're in trouble. You see, I think I like the path for Duke. I mean, this is the the East is my region of chaos. My my bracket that I had filled out, I did not have a top four seed in the Sweet Sixteen, and, and we'll get to that in, in just a second here. Um, but I I look at Duke. I think that the path is there based on some of the ancillary things that I think are going to happen around them as well. So I like Duke against Oral Roberts. I know Oral Roberts is the cool story. People talk about them. Max Azemus, they remember that. And people probably haven't, like the casual bracket filler router here, probably hasn't heard many headlines about Duke this year. So therefore, they probably think, oh, Duke's a five. What what are they? They don't pick them. He'll go with Oral Roberts, who they remember making a, a run a couple years ago. Um, but I like Duke here. You and I in agreement with Louisiana Lafayette, and I think that just comes down to the fact that um, you lose Zakai Ziegler, so that that certainly dampens your, well, your chances there. It also comes down to this. Rick pa- Rick Barnes made my list. I had a list this morning he in sucks. case you wanted to do it on Cap and Hood. Uh, Rick Barnes, 
you are a fraud coach. You're a bum. And I, I'm happy. Bring yeah. out your name. Dead coach walking, bum, whatever you want to call him. 22 and 23 in 45 tries in the tournament. 19 first weekend exits. Mm. This guy Don't is like a it. walking first weekend loss. Uh, and now you you lose one of your better players for Tennessee. Point you, guard, too. You pull a tough matchup with Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette out of the mid-major. There's no shot they're winning this game. Yeah. All right, let's uh, quickly speed through some of these last couple here. Kentucky-Providence, this is an intriguing one for a lot of people. You love the 11-6 upset. Do you like it here? Yeah, I'm an upset special All here, right. too. Bryce Hopkins going against his former team, Kentucky. So. Uh- yeah, no, I just I think you look at it like the computer numbers have it at two. Again, I'm picking the unlikely when I think it's a coin flip. Uh, Kansas State, Montana State. I don't see an upset here. I don't either. I have, I have Kansas State. And then this is your your don't big matchup against uh, Chris Black. Don't make me. You've do got that. Michigan State and USC. I like Sparty and this guy. Listen, USC was a, a largely unimpressive team to me all year. Um, they certainly did not find any sort of momentum. I feel like in the within the confines of the Pac-12. So I, I'm going with Sparty here. I like him actually pretty comfortably. You know who else was uh, was unimpressive all year was Ohio State. And they vacuumed Michigan State right out of the Big Ten tournament. But they caught a heater. That said, I am going with Michigan State in this game because I think USC blows. Yeah. Like I'll say, I'll take Michigan State here. And then Marquette Vermont. Okay. We've talked about this. There have been a there's been a 15-2 upset each of the last two years. It's starting to become a bit of a trend now within college basketball in the NCAA tournament. Feels like we get one a year at this point. It has happened in consecutive years before. It has never happened in three straight. Not so, that mm-hmm. not that saying because it happened the last two, it can't happen this year. Just be aware of how unlikely this is. Right. And while I am picking Marquette here. Vermont's the team that I think can pull the 15-2. They are an unseasonably strong 15 seed, I feel like. Um, They've had tournament history. John Becker is a fantastic coach. And Vermont has pulled off a big upset in opening week. They knocked off Syracuse. TJ Sorrentine from the parking lot. Gus Johnson, right? Like, it's happened before, so it would not shock me to see it here. I'm not picking it, but if you want to get a little crazy, you want to think about one, Vermont would be the one that I would pick. I like Vermont to cover. Last I saw, the number was 11.5. I like Vermont to cover the number. I don't like them to win the game. I'll take Marquette. Also, we got to talk about Marquette. You have a fraud coach, too. You've got yes, one of the bums. He's Chaka mine. Smart. Yep. Bring out your name. I know we went to that Final Four with VCU in 2011. Hasn't but he's done w- much since. One in six in tourney games since. That's mm-hmm. uh, six he's or l- five straight first-round exits. Six straight. Now, mm-hmm. I look, I, six straight. First weekend exits, five straight first round, including the 215, which can't get away with that. So the thing I look at is that second game, the second round game, Michigan State and Marquette, two of my bum coaches who can't get out of the first Mm -hmm. weekend, playing to get out of the first weekend, (laughs) winning school puts a banner up. (laughs) You may see it. You may see it. Um, I got Sparty in that game, actually. I've got Marquette bowing well. out early. I also have Sparty. I've got Mar- and the last time you and I were in cahoots on a Sparty run, we got burned in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. So uh, take that for what it's worth here. Um, your Elite Eight matchup out of the East is? Memphis and Kansas State. Oh, you're getting really weird here. Yeah, I'm I've getting got, frisky. I've got Duke and Kentucky. I, I like the way Kentucky's played down the stretch, and I like the way Duke's played down the stretch here. I've got Duke and Kentucky. They both have talent, and that talent started to rise to the top at the end of the season. I think these are five and six seeds that are playing more like two and three seeds right now. 
um, in, in a conference that I'm not impressed with the top tier seeds um, yeah. in this one. Um, I don't think we gave out our West Elite Eights here. I have UConn and I have uh, Gonzaga. I have UConn and Nevada with UConn, UConn coming right. out. So right. Should we do Final Four's champion and then we'll get out of here? Yeah. All right. So my Final Four that I like here, I've got UConn, I've got Houston, I've got Alabama, and I've got Duke. And I have UConn, Houston, Alabama, and Kansas State. I All have right, a Houston-Alabama so title game. As do I, and I have Houston winning it. We're lockstep. Look at us. Did so, we just become best friends? I guess. Are but we if, doing karate in the garage? Yes. If we both die, we die together. There right, we go. Exactly. Our fridge brackets aren't going to be dueling too much. <laughs> we're, we're really just picking some of the ancillary games here. But I'm excited. It should be a fantastic tournament. Um, we will be with you every Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. If you ever have a bracket question as well, you can tweet at us. I'm at Tyler Aki underscore. You are at Shay Norling. And you can find us on Twitter. We're more than happy to answer any questions as you have there. If you can't wait till Sunday, again, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on ESPN 1000 every Sunday throughout the tournament. Looking forward to talking with all of you then. And until then, we will talk to you guys on Sunday.